Hi there, my name is Anna Michelle Gomu and you are listening to the podcast where we take our time to seek God in His Word each day. We're currently on a Bible in your challenge reading through the entire Bible in 365 days from Genesis to Revelations. And I'm glad you decided to join us today because it's gonna be great. Thank you for tuning in. Please stay listening. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today is day 172 of a Bible in Year Challenge and you are welcome back once again on another episode. We are continuing on our journey taking readings from the books of 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles and also praying along with Psalms. So without wasting any time, uh, let's dive right in. First things first, from 2 Kings, we see this encounter of the three kings with Elisha. So you have King Jehoram, who is the son of King Ahab, the king of Israel, coming to form an alliance with King Jehoshaphat of Judah and the unnamed king of Edom to fight this huge battle with the people of Moab. And they come to Elisha seeking the counsel of God and seeking his help. And Elisha helps them in this amazing way by um, performing this miracle. They have streams of water in the wilderness, in a place where there was no river, where there was no rain. And this stream of water kind of helps the soldiers um, in their search for water and quenches their thirst. But also we see that this stream was a way in which God used to defeat the people of Moab. Because they wake up this early morning and they see what appears to them like streams of blood. And so what happens is that the sun that rises up in the morning reflects on the stream of water. And because normally there was no stream of water, they didn't think, it didn't occur to them that it was actually a reflection of the sun on water. To them, it seemed like blood. And so they thought that the three different nations had fought against each other and killed each other. And so they ran into um, the enemy's territory thinking they were going to see just a pack of dead bodies and just capture all their loot. But then they came and they saw that they were actually very much alive. And that was how the people of Israel, Judah and Edom were able to capture, were able to overcome the people of Moab. But one thing I really want to emphasize and that really stuck out to me in this um, reading was what happened when the people of Moab saw that they were almost getting defeated. You have the king of Moab sacrificing his successor sacrificing his son as a burnt offering to his god and we're told that after this takes place then the the hand of the battle was turned against the israelites like they were winning before god was on their side right they were winning the moabites they were slaughtering them as they ran away but when the king of moab slaughtered his son as a burnt offering to his idol to his god we're told that the Israelites become receiving, become on the receiving end. They begin to receive and feel the heat from the side of the mob. So there is that switch. There is that very brisk turn of events. And this begs the question, like, why? What exactly was so important? What exactly was so significant in the king of Moab sacrificing his son? First of all, I read or I heard from one of my most favorite preachers of all time, Father Mike Smith. He says this almost every time he says this in his podcast. He says that the heart of religion is worship and the heart of worship is sacrifice. 
the whole point of us gathering every Sunday, the whole point of us meeting every time at Mass, meeting every time at prayer, is to worship God. And how do we worship God? What is worship? Worship is offering a sacrifice. So when we come and gather and say, oh, we're, we're here to worship God, we want to worship God today, we mean that we want to offer a sacrifice to God. A sacrifice has to take place for worship to occur. And so sacrifice is so, so, so important. Like even the king of Moab sacrificing his only son with all the intonations, with all the significance that happened to that, even though he did that to his idol, even though God was superior to his idol, superior to his false god. Even though what he did was against the will of God, against the commands of God, it had a huge effect on the turn of events as this concerns the battle. It had a huge effect on the battle. And we can get from this, what we can get from this is that sacrifice is very powerful. And if the enemies can sacrifice, can afford to sacrifice what they love the most because they don't want to lose, how much more we Christians? One of the things that makes us look on Christians, one of the things that makes us powerless Christians is that we're not willing to sacrifice anything. We're not willing to part away with anything. If God says, I want a portion of your salary, a portion of your earnings per month, that seems so hard for us to do if god says that he wants a portion or a part of our time per day that seems too hard for us to do well the good news is that we have an ultimate sacrifice we have a sacrifice that we were not able to afford that we do not deserve it is not just a sacrifice of the animals that the israelites performed in the readings that we're going through even though that that was even powerful enough to protect and shield the Israelites from the wrath of God. Even their burnt offerings, their burnt animal sacrifices was powerful enough to protect them from the consequences of their evil actions. But we don't get to do that. We don't get to offer animal sacrifices. And even though the king of Moab offered a burnt human sacrifice, and even at that had so much effect on the outturn of the events of the battle, we don't get to offer just any human sacrifice. Our sacrifice exceeds both those of the Israelites and those of the people of Moab. Our sacrifice is not just a sacrifice of animals. It's not just the sacrifice of humans. Our sacrifice is a sacrifice of God himself. Every time we come to God in prayer, every time we come into communion with God, we should have it at the back of our minds that the essence of what we're doing is we're offering God the sacrifice of himself. We're offering Jesus on the cross to the Father in atonement for our sins. And that is the center of Christianity. That is the center of worship. That is the center of what we were created for. And while we understand the significance, we get to be thankful and we get to be grateful that we have that opportunity, we have that access to God, not just to offer any sacrifice, but to offer God himself. And now you can imagine the amount of significance this can have in our lives. If the 
sacrifice of the animal offerings that the Israelites offered was enough to shield and protect them, to even give them victories in battles and in wars. If the sacrifice of the king of Moab was able to give him an upper hand in a losing battle, how much more we who have the opportunity to offer the sacrifice of God himself. We have been given such a great gift. We have been given such a great power. But it is unfortunate that so many of us don't understand its meaning or its significance. And so today, I want to remind you that what we do at Mass is not just, it's not just mere rituals. It's not just mere process. It's not just mere reading words from a book and just saying things over and over again and standing and kneeling and sitting. There is a huge spiritual significance behind that. Hopefully, probably after this challenge, I get to do a whole series where we dissect the Holy Mass one by one so that I can explain it more. But what I can say for now is that the Holy Mass is a culmination of all of the prayers we can ever make. Because the Holy Mass is not just a prayer that we make to God. The Holy Mass is us coming into prayer with Jesus to the Father. I hope that makes sense. So, Anyways, it will make sense because when we move into Second Chronicles, we are looking at King Uzziah, King Uzziah of Judah, who starts out great. He starts out as a young king at the tender age of 16. He is doing great, doing awesome. But then his pride gets to his head. When he is strong, his pride gets to his head. And what he does is that he goes into the temple, goes into the holy place and begins to burn incense to God. Note that the Levites were the only one allowed to do certain rites, allowed to do certain rituals, especially in the temple, especially as it concerns to the sacrifices in the temple, the burning of incense, the offering of the showbread in the most holy place. But then we see Uzziah, um, probably because he thought that uh, he was well above the ritual, well above the commands that God has given. He went into the holy place and offered a burnt incense to God. And we're told that he is struck with leprosy and he ends up dying as a leprous man. And this also leads to him being buried away from the other kings. Anyways, what we can get from this is that there are two bad ways of worship. There are two major bad ways of worship. I mean, of what I know now, there are two bad ways. There may be more, but from what I know now, there are two ways you can worship terribly one way is false worship meaning that we know or meaning that we see any other thing to obey we see any other thing to submit our will to that is not god we worship another thing we offer sacrifices to another thing we devote our time we devote our obedience we devote our allegiance to something else other than god that is false worship that is idolatry that is one bad way of worshiping. The second bad way is of wrong worship. Wrong worship is that you're worshiping God. I mean, in your sense, you're worshiping God, the one true God, but you're worshiping him in the wrong way. It is one thing to worship God. It is another thing to worship God in the wrong way. Both are two terrible ways of worshiping God because in essence, the worship doesn't go to God. It goes to another thing outside from God. If you are called, if we are called to worship God, we are called to worship him the way he has asked of it. 
King Uzziah did not really care or give two cents about the way God asked to be worshipped. And that was why he felt it was good or right for him to go into the most holy place and offer and burn the incense. And how does this apply to us now? It applies to us in so many ways. Because honestly, I think false worship is much more easier to be able to note and to be able to um, keep away from than wrong worship. Because false worship, you can easily know, oh, I'm not worshiping God. I'm worshiping this other thing or I'm paying more attention to this other thing or I'm prioritizing this other thing in my life. So false worship is pretty easy to detect. But then wrong worship is very hard because sometimes we feel like we're doing everything the way God wants it to. It only takes somebody who is intentional and somebody who is humble enough and also somebody who is patient enough to listen, to observe, and to obey God's word and to worship him the way he has asked. And God has not been silent over this matter. It's not like God just threw everything into the wind, you know, just uh guess take a wild guess how i would like to be worshipped he has he tells us he has told us exactly how he would like to be worshipped and how is it that he would like to be worshipped i mean we see the exact replica of how god wants to be worshipped at the last supper like i said before that the heart of religion is worship and the heart of worship is sacrifice and the ultimate sacrifice that was offered to god on our behalf is the sacrifice of Jesus himself. And at the Last Supper, Jesus told his disciples, take this bread and eat. Take this blood, take this cup, which is my blood, and drink. And what he tells them right after is that, do this in memory of me. And this is what happens every single time at the holy sacrifice of the Mass. What we do at the Mass is not our own depiction or our own definition of how we should worship god it's the way we have been given it's the way we have been commanded and instructed to worship god the holy sacrifice of the mass is usually called or it's known as the highest form of prayer for good reason because that is the way god has instructed us to worship and any other thing outside from that any other thing outside from what has been given to us in the mass is wrong worship. Now, let me make this clear sometimes. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure if you heard that, it would, like, it would be like, so I cannot say my personal prayers or I cannot praise God or I cannot do anything outside of the mass. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that anything that goes against what has been given to us, anything that goes against the way God has instructed for us to worship, is a wrong way of worship. Jesus tells us that when we are offering sacrifices, right, and you remember that you've wronged someone, drop your offerings, drop your sacrifice at the altar, go and make amends, and then return to continue what you were doing. Meaning you can't worship God while you're holding a grudge. But how many times have we prayed to God while we've been super angry or super mad at someone else? Jesus tells us that when we want to pray, we should go into the hidden rooms of our hearts, go into the hidden room, lock the doors, and pray to God who sees us in secret. But how many times have we prayed to God so that we can be recognized as a holy person? How many times have we prayed to God so that we can be seen as a good Christian? 
And Jesus tells us that when we want to give to people, when we want to give to other people, do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. But how many times have we given to charity? How many times have we given to the needy just so that we can be recognized as a charitable person? There are so many ways that we think that we worship God, but what we do is that we worship ourselves because we do those things or we offer those sacrifices the way we want to do them not the way God wants us to do them and this is a very huge lesson for us to learn as we move on in our journey and on our path in this relationship with God what we can get what we can note is that while we worship God we have to worship him and offer the sacrifices the way he has asked us to because that is the only way that we can drop our pride we can humble ourselves and we can come into true worship with god i hope this makes sense um thank you so much for listening this far hopefully i will see you guys tomorrow same time same place but tomorrow we would not be continuing with second chronicles because we are going to leave a huge gap so that we get to be on the same path and on the same timeline with Second Kings and Second Chronicles. So we are going to be looking at some books of the prophets Hosea, Amos, um, Jonah. It is going to be amazing and I hope you don't miss it. So please do not forget to share, leave a review and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't. And I will see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. Please have an amazing day.